We all know at least a bit about how to motivate, but how do you motivate leaders? The answer to that and more in this conversation with John Maxwell. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 452. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the words that comes up for all of us in leadership is the word motivation. How do we motivate ourselves? How do we motivate others? And how do we motivate other leaders? That's a question that we're going to tackle in today's conversation. And who better for us to ask and learn from than John Maxwell. John is the number one New York Times bestselling author, coach, and speaker who has sold more than 31 million books in 50 languages. He's been identified as the number one leader in business by the American Management Association and the most influential leadership expert in the world by Business Insider and Inc. Magazine. He is the founder of the John Maxwell Company, the John Maxwell Team, Equip, and the John Maxwell Leadership Foundation, organizations that have trained millions of leaders from every country of the world. He is the author of the new book, The Leader's Greatest Return, Attracting, Developing, and Multiplying Leaders. John, so glad to have you on the show. Hey, thanks, Dave. It's a real joy to be with you and your listeners. I've been for the last few days very excited about helping the people that you help continually. So thanks for letting me be on the program with you. Well, the pleasure is mine. I've been following your work for the better part of 20 years. And in reading this new book, there's so many things that leapt out at me. And the first thing that leapt out is you writing, when people ask me how I motivate my people, my answer is that I don't. I don't try to push or pull people. (laughs) Instead, I try to inspire people and help them find their own motivations. That's a critical distinction. I was wondering if you could tell me more about that. Well, I I would be glad to, Dave. I've been doing leadership for 50 years. And obviously, in a leadership journey or any growth journey, whatever the subject, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of transition. There's a lot of movement. What I knew in the beginning has changed a lot. And I see things differently. And I, I lead differently. It's all part of growth. And motivating is one of those areas. I came out of the box, leadership box, literally saying, okay, I'm a leader and I I motivate people and I take that responsibility. And so I really did my best and and I motivated some people. Good news, I motivated some people, but I didn't motivate all of them. And, you know, again, in a growth journey, I began to ask myself the question, okay, why does it work with some people that doesn't work with others? And I began to find through, again, maturity of leadership and experience, trial and error, all that stuff. That I, I, first of all, that the first error that I was making, I was motivating people the way I wanted to be motivated. Uh-huh. And so the good news is I found somebody like me, it really worked, but it, it didn't always work. So that was kind of the first misstep. So then, then I began to motivate people based upon what I thought that they would want. And the bottom line was I was very passionate about what I was doing, had a vision for what I was doing. I had great confidence in what I was trying to accomplish. And so it was pretty much like, here's the mountain, let's all go climb it. And a lot of people joined me and and we were climbing mountains. But I I, I was having a a major missing ingredient. And this is what I really want your listeners to catch. In the beginning, I was leading kind of like from the mountaintop and I was just 
kind of yelling down saying, come on, you know, come on up and join me. Come on up. It's, it's beautiful that, you know, the, the scenery is great from the top. And so they're all trying to climb up the mountain. And what I didn't realize was that, you know, we hear the expression all the time. It's lonely at the top. Well, that's, that's not a leadership expression. In fact, I tell people if it's lonely at the top, that that's not because you're a leader. It's, it's you know, if, if, it's, if it's lonely at the top in your life, it's probably because you have some kind of a, a personality relationship dysfunction in your life. And so I tell leaders all the time, if it's lonely at the top, you're not a leader, you're a hiker because leaders coalesce people and bring people around them. And what I discovered was, and, and this is key, it's all about finding the person and what, finding out what motivates them. And once you find out what motivates them, asking permission to lead them according to their motivational strength. And the moment that I did that, all of a sudden, the buy-in to what I was doing, where I was going, just dramatically increased. Because now I'm not trying to motivate everybody on the same level with the same thing for the same reason. But I'm now going to that person, discovering who they are, asking questions, getting on common ground with them. And then even I ask them permission. So if you're motivated by autonomy, is it okay then if I work to, to make sure that you get the freedom that you need to be the person that you want to be? To truly uh, move people well, you move them in the area of, of their desires and who they are. And then, to be honest with you, uh, you create an environment for them to move and they kind of move themselves because you've helped them find the thing that, that drives them. I so appreciate looking at it from the other person's perspective and the analogy of the mountain. And I, I think about a lot of the personal relationships we enter into our lives. We tend to love other people the way we like to be loved. <laughs> and the same is true in leadership. I'm conscious of you mentioning that you ask questions now. What's one question that you find that works well for you in being able to uncover how people want to be motivated? Well, Dave, for example, at the end of the year, in November, at the end of November, I just sent a little email. And it's just very simple. It says a, a new year is about to come. And uh, thank you for making this year a great year. I couldn't have done it without you. But as we go into the new year, what's the best way I can serve you? If there's one thing I could do for you, what would it be? And if you can, you know, give me the answer by the end of the year. So think about it. And so, you know, middle of December, I, 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 from these five people, I, they basically say, Here, here's what I really, really need from you this year. So then I say, okay, now let's develop a plan to make sure that I get that for you this year. Let's see what that looks like and how we can unfold that. Now, that's a beautiful example of what I feel is, is finding out where the person is and then leading them accordingly to where they are. Not accordingly to where I am, but where, where are you? And what's the next step in your journey? I was just with three of those leaders uh, just a couple of nights ago, having a, a long leadership dinner with them. And so at the end of the dinner, I, I said, now here's, the, here's what each one of you are needing from me. Is that right? And, and so let's just talk about it for uh, you know, a few minutes and let, let's unfold that so we see what it looks like. Dave, that is incredibly empowering and it's incredibly effective because I'm releasing them, but I'm releasing them in an area that they really are, are feeling and sensing that they want to develop and grow in. And so, you know, just asking questions. I was being interviewed in New York City last year, 
And one of the questions somebody asked me, Mr. John, what's the difference between your leadership today and your leadership when you started? My first answer was everything. everything. If, if people could have seen me when I started off as a leader and how bad I was, everybody would be greatly encouraged. I can tell you that. But they, 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 basically, they, Dave, they'd look at me and they'd say, oh, my gosh, there's hope for me. I mean, if, because I wasn't any good. I was just I was out. I was in the game. I was taking action. But, you know, I just I just didn't know very much. I just had a lot more energy than I did wisdom. But but the point being, the big difference, again, is in the beginning, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And so it was kind of like, can I get you on my team? And here's what we're going to accomplish. And this is where we're going. And, and, and I was giving direction. And I was clear with it. And so and gave a lot of security with it. We got a lot of wins. And so it wasn't all bad. But what I've learned is, you know, today I, I ask a lot of questions. You and I are both fans of the work of Daniel Pink, uh, who wrote this amazing book, Drive, and really looked at the That's research. A great book. Oh, yeah, just incredible book. And the research behind motivation. And he identifies three key areas. You mentioned one of them a moment ago autonomy in motivating people. And one of the things you've done is taken that model and added to it and looked at it from the lens of how do you motivate leaders? And I'm curious. Before we dive in on some of the details, what's different about motivating leaders than maybe different than motivating anybody else? The difference is that if you motivate followers, they want security. If you motivate leaders, they want opportunity. You see, if I work with followers, obviously it can have a return, but the return with followers is addition. And the return with leaders is multiplication. And now leaders are, are much more difficult to lead than followers. Again, if you're looking for security, you fall in line pretty quick if you get that one thing. With leaders, they're, they're, they're more complex. I always said, you know, leading leaders is kind of like herding cats. And, and that's the reason why a lot of leaders don't have leaders around them, is either they're insecure or the difficulty of equipping, training, and, and, and developing leaders. But if I'm going to motivate a team player, pretty much if I can promise them that they do a good job. You know, they're going to you know, do well, going to make some decent money. They're going to be secure. You take a, a leader, you know, they want new land to, to discover. They want, you know, they want new territories to develop. You know, you mentioned a bit ago that, you know, you didn't start off with, you know, having this all perfect. And yet, you did say you stayed in the game. And that reminds me of one of the key motivations you talk about in the book, which is progress. And you write, I didn't have any sudden big hits early in my career. I wasn't a home run hitter. My secret was to get up to bat every day and just try to get on base consistently. And I was reflecting on that and thinking, that's super hard. And I'm curious, what do you do to stop having leaders aim for hitting home runs every day and help them to just focus on starting to take swings and maybe hitting a few singles once in a while? Well, I I think that, first of all, you, you can hit singles easier than you can hit home runs. And I think that the big miss among uh, so many people is they want charisma instead of consistency. And the home run, and of course, it brings everybody in the, in the stadium to their feet. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to run around the bases here. And so it, it, it's kind of big. But the game is not one on doing something once in a while big. It's done on doing something consistently. You know, consistency compounds. And, uh, you know, the, the problem with consistency is it's not a sexy word, Dave. I mean, if somebody walked into your life or my life and they said, you know, you, Dave, Dave, I just, 
I admire you so much. And, and let me tell you some of the qualities I admire the most about you. So you're kind of sitting there on the edge of your seat, waiting for them to, you know, give you three or four wonderful qualities that maybe make you successful. And I said, the thing, Dave, you know, Dave, the thing I like so much about you more than anything else is, wow, you're so, uh, you know, Dave, you're, you're, you're consistent. <laughs> and you, go, you go, oh, crap. Okay. You know, I, I gave you a list of adjectives I was looking for. I was looking for charismatic. I was looking for dynamic. I was looking for creative. I mean, I give you a whole list of words that come before consistent. But I can tell you this, consistency compound. And the people that stay in the game and, and, and are highly successful are not the ones who just every once in a while show up. And Babe Ruth, what did Babe Ruth say? He said, yesterday's home run won't win today's game. And what we've got to all understand is that once we – understand what we do well. The best thing we is not to do it amazingly well once in a while, but to do it consistently well every day. You know, I, I wrote a book several years ago called Today Matters, Make Today Count. And the, the whole thesis of that book is that we over-exaggerate. We over-exaggerate what we did yesterday, and we overestimate about what we're going to do tomorrow, but we underestimate what we do today. And yet the only thing I've got, the only thing you've got in your hands right now is, is now. And so making consistent progress, you know, is just a, the way to be successful. I believe that's all my heart. So funny you zero in on the word consistency. Uh, you and I were talking before we started recording about the podcasting space, and you and your team have jumped into podcasting and have tremendous success in the last couple of years. And <laughs> as I reflect on the thing that's made our show successful over the years, the, the first word I would say would be consistency, <laughs> even though it's not that exciting a word, yeah. but it really does compound over time. And it's super hard to do and practice each day. But if you discipline yourself to do it, it is really remarkable what happens over time. Yeah. Did, didn't you start it? Didn't you tell me you started 2011? Yeah, 2011. Well, say, okay, so you've been at it for eight years. So Dave, what happens is very simple. You develop a, 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 developed a major following now, but you, you did it one person at a time, one day at a time. You know, mass movements don't begin with the mass, but they become a mass when they show credibility and consistency. And so what happens is, Dave, today people turn into your podcast because they know they're going to get quality information. They're going to get, they're going to, hey, they're going to get some application for their life that, you know, that, that is, a, that is a win for them. And, and again, we overestimate. We, over, we overestimate the event or the moment, and we, we underestimate the process. Mm, indeed. And that's a great lead into one of the other motivations, which is relationships. And you say leaders want to do things with others. How are relationships a motivator for leaders? Well, I, uh, several years ago, I wrote a book called Winning with People, and one of the uh, I had what I call in that book People Principles, and and one of them was a relationship principle, which basically said, Dave, all things being equal, people will do business with people they like. All things being unequal, they'll still do business with people that they like. It, and it's just a fact that uh, you know we we are definitely relationship driven. And, you know, high morale in the workplace has a lot to do with liking the people you work with. So relationships are just absolutely uh, huge. In fact, in that same book, as I'm now thinking back, I wrote that book 15 years ago, probably. But another people principle I had in there was that the, was the partnership principle, which basically says working together increases the odds of winning together. And it not only increases the odds of winning together, but it certainly increases the joy. And so people ask me, I'm 72, I'll be 73 next month. 
people ask me all the time, John, why, why do you stay in the game? And one of the primary reasons I stay in the game, I think, we're going back to motivation, is, is because of my relationships. I, uh, you know, Mark Cole, who's basically taking over everything that I'm handing the baton off. He's been with me for 20 plus years. He's like a son to me. You know, Linda Eggers, my assistant, has been with me for 33 years. Charlie Wetzel, who helps me write, has been for 24 years. I mean, I could just go down the list. And, you know, I love what I do, but I love the people I do it with. And when you love your work and when you love the people that you work with, you know, that gets to be pretty huge. And so, you know, cooperation is when we, when we work together agreeably, but collaboration is when we work together aggressively. And I just discovered that if you just let me do my work with people that I really love, it just takes, it makes my work so much more enjoyable. And I think it's true with others. And so when we think of motivating, a lot of times when we're hiring a key person, one of our companies, we'll have four or five of our key leaders spend relational time, social time, go out to dinner with them, whatever. And the, the only question we ask after they've had a little social time with them is how much do you like them? I mean, has nothing to do with their job skills, has nothing to do with their qualifications. Do you like them? And what we found a long time ago, if there's somebody that we're trying to hire that is not, not a good people person or doesn't connect well with people, it's just not a good fit for us. And it's okay. You know, we just really want to have those relationships as strong as possible because we just do better when we're people that we like better. And it comes back to us too, doesn't it? I know you and I are both students of the late Zig Ziglar and his quote, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help yeah. enough other people get what they want is one that I've just, I keep coming back to over the years of being so central to my thinking in, in leadership and in life. Yeah, it changed my life, Dave. I was, I was in Dayton, Ohio. I was 26 when I heard Zig Ziglar say that. And that was a major change for me because at that point, I was trying to get people buy in my vision and help them become convinced to help me. And I just, I heard him and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing it backwards. I'm, instead of me trying to help people find and discover what they want, which is, again, that finding them first, that motivational principle. I'm trying to get everybody to buy into me. I got to go buy into them. And uh, that changed my life. I'm curious if you can recall when you were 26, you heard Zig say that. What was the very next thing you did that turned the corner? Well, the first thing that I did is I went back and with everybody that I was trying to lead. And I went from, it's not about me, but it's about you. And, I, and it really helped me to be other focused. And the best leaders are other focused there. Every day, uh, the great leaders get up and their question is, how do I add that add value people? To? And it, it's a very simple life. But ever since I heard Zig say that, I went from having people add value to me to me adding value to them. And I think the key in that, he didn't say that in his sentence, and you quoted him a little bit ago, but it's inferred and that is that you help them get what they want first. Yeah. And so... The bottom line is I just come along with people and find out what they want, and I help them get what they want. So every day, I consciously add value to people. And so when people ask me about the journey and say, how did you get where you are, and how did you know all the stuff that has been accomplished, I say, well, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I, I don't even think I could do a goal-setting seminar with integrity because, you know, my greatest purpose in life is just to add value to people. And the return, and there's something about the fact that if you're continually sowing, whether you like it or not, you're going to do a lot of reaping. There's there's a day when you're going to, you know, you, you, it's just you got to sow that seed. And, and you know, it's, it's like our podcast today. I got one simple agenda. It's very simple. And that is to add value to you. So when we're done, 
your listeners and you know you say wow that was good that helped us that took us you know that moved us down the, the pipe a little bit well you see that's where i live i just i believe most people get up every day and they say what good thing or what's going to happen to me today i, I think most people are are takers by nature we're, we're by nature we're selfish but you know boy, i hope something good happens to me today Everyone, I wake up, my first thought is, who, who do I add value to today? How do I add value to them? I look at my calendar, and like you were on my calendar day, and so I focused all morning on, okay, how do I add value today? And it's a different way to think, but the return on it, I'm 72, and remember, we were talking about consistency compounds. Yeah. I'm in a compounding area. I'm in a compound area of life, and I tell people all the time, because it's true, I'm not as good today as people think I am. I'm really not. I'm not trying to be humble. It's just a fact. I know me. I'm not as good as people think I am today. But that's also true in the beginning, when I started off, I, I wasn't as bad as people thought I was either. But what happens is if you just add value to people every day, it all comes back to you. And then one day you're just reaping ridiculous returns and, and, and you say, you know, really, how did it happen? Well, you're asking how did it happen? Not because you're naive or stupid. You're asking how did it happen because it wasn't your focus. Your focus was helping other people. What you didn't realize, what I didn't realize is you can't, as Zig said, add value to people and help other people without it coming back to you in a compounding way. Speaking of giving people what they want and need, recognition is one of the others on your list of leaders wanting others to appreciate their accomplishments. One of the questions that I get regularly from folks in our audience is some version of, I know I should recognize people, and yet I know people have a lot of different preferences on how they want to be recognized. How do you navigate that? Well, again, on recognition, I ask them. I say, you're going to be a very valuable player on the team, Dave. I'm glad you're with us. Now, we're going to make some progress, or we're going to get some wins under our belt. Now, what's the best way for me to recognize you? I mean, do you get a kick out of us gathering together and say, boy, Dave, thank you for these three things you've done for our organization this year. Is it a personal note that you get from me? Is it time? Is it something like I say, boy, Dave, you've had a good year in helping us, you know, maybe like play golf. So let, 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 me, let me take you out to the club and let's play golf. I mean, how do you want to be recognized? And, I, and again, I just find out how they want it. And I do that. But one thing I do for sure, and this always works, no matter how a person wants to be recognized. One thing I do for sure is I always tell their family how important they are to me. Always. You know, I mean, whether it's the Christmas party. One of the things I do at the Christmas party is talk to the spouses, or maybe I talk to the parents or the children. And I always say to them, let me tell you how important your wife is to the team. Let me, let me tell you what she's done for us. And, and I just want to make sure you know that she's really making a difference. And I, w- I want to thank you because you're you know, encouraging her and you're supporting her. And you know, I'm sure there's some family sacrifices going on because of the job. But I just want you to know how much uh, that, that means to me. So I, I, there are two things I do. I always make sure that I tell close friends or close family members the value of the person that's helping me, what their value is. And I always make sure I tell them that in front of the person that I'm trying to recognize. Something very connecting when I take you, Dave, and take maybe your family or close and, and say, look, let me tell you what Dave let me tell you what it really means to me. Let me tell you how he's helped us this year. We, we really couldn't have made it without him. That, that, it's just powerful. So you know, oh, find out what recognizes them. Do it. 
Indeed, simple and powerful. And as I was reflecting as you were saying that, if any leader has ever done that for me or for a family member that I can recall, and I can't recall because I think that if it had happened, it would have been so meaningful that I would have recalled that for decades. What a great invitation you've made to all of us. I've got to ask you about the last one on your list, which is money. And you say leaders want to be financially secure. (laughs) And you quote Fred Allen, who said there are many things more important than money, and they all cost money. (laughs) And then you add, well, while money is first on many people's list, it's last on mine. For me, it's the lowest of all motivators, but maybe that's because I'm not hurting financially. And it's interesting to me this is on your list because we have heard a lot of, through the research over the years of like, well, motiv- you know, everyone says they want more money, but that's not truly the motivator for a lot of people. How do you parse that when you think about money and security? Well, I, I think that it is the bottom of my list, but let's, let's again put me in context. Dave, the reason at the bottom of my list is if anybody knows my background, I started off at 25 years, I was a pastor, I was in ministry. And, and I went into that field feeling very called to it and very committed to it. And I knew I would never have money. You know, you're going to want to make money, you don't, you don't go into that arena. In fact, when I asked Margaret to marry me, I, I just said, you really gonna have to think this through because you know, we, we may be living in homes that we never owned, and you just have to understand that there won't be probably a lot of money there. And so I think that maybe it's low on my list because of that. And I also would say I'm very well taken care of today. And I never tried to make money. This is ridiculous. I know it makes people mad when I start talking about it, but I just try to add value people and the money came. My brother's very successful, very, very, very successful businessman. And, and one of the things he did teach me was just powerful is, is he said, just have, you need to have at least three financial streams going at all times. And so that you're not relying on one thing. And, course i had my pastor and then i started writing books and i started you know, doing some speaking on site and i started developing different streams of money and so you know today i'm very blessed but i never started writing books my mentor les parrot who challenged me to start writing books he, one of the things he said is don't write books to make money he said you probably never will make much money writing books and i never did i just wrote books to add value to people in fact my greatest thrill today is there are two benefits of money. It gives you options, and, 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 and that's a wonderful thing to have options. And uh, I have a lot of those options because of finances. And the other thing is, is what is the good you can do with it? You know, I, I was on the phone earlier today with my brother, and again, he's mentored me in the money financial realm, and, and I shared with him how much I was able to give away to charities. And we both kind of had a celebration time there because... I'm not trying to increase my standard of, of living. I'm trying to increase my standard of giving. Mm. Now, I'm not anti anybody making a lot of money, but as far as a motivator for me, the cause and the purpose is what really motivates me. And the money has just kind of followed all the stuff. And it's kind of been like a, it's been an afterthought. It's been good. But I do think I agree with Daniel Pink a lot on this because he talks about the extrinsic motivation and Daniel affected we were recently having lunch and we we're talking about this, but but I, I, I do believe that if you have outward motivation such as money, I, I believe that that wears thin and wears out pretty quickly. It's got to be it's got to be deeper. It's got to be internal. I think for it to be lasting. You write in the book that a mentor a long time ago told you you're not good enough to stay the same, and you add. <laughs> 
you you add today it just makes me laugh at myself because it's still true and you said earlier yeah you said earlier that you know people think you're you're better than you are on some things as you reflect on your work what have you changed your mind on in the last couple of years that's a great job i love that question first of all i began a principle the principle is very simple if you're growing you're always changing now I didn't say change equals growth, but I did say if you're growing, you're changing. One of the questions I've had for 40 years, I have what I call Dave alerting lunch. Every, every month, I take somebody to lunch. I don't even eat. I just buy their lunch because I want to ask questions and take notes to learn from them. And it's been a very, very wonderful avenue for growth in my own life. But one of the questions I ask them is, what are you passionate about right now? And what we're passionate about right now is usually what we're experiencing and what we're learning. And if you're growing, we're in a continual, constant state of changing. And, and for example, one of the changes, and again, I can speak for hours on this because every day I'm, I'm reflecting and every day I'm learning, growing, improving, and changing. But, you know, I used to play a finite game, and a finite game has rules regulations and time and it allows you to have a win or a loss one one of those two and i used to play everything kind of in a finite way okay i've got to got to get this done i've got to finish this and today i I don't think there's even a finish line in fact i was talking to simon Sinek about it recently as he wrote a terrific book outstanding book called the infinite game oh yeah fabulous book so we're having this conversation and one of the things is that I've learned to grow comfortable with is the fact that there's no finish line. John Maxwell is the author of The Leader's Greatest Return, Attracting, Developing, and Multiplying Leaders. John, thank you for all you've done for leaders in your career. Grateful for it. Well, thank you for having me on the show, and and, and thank you for all you're doing, my friend. We're doing it together. If this conversation with John Maxwell was helpful to you, I'd invite you to consider three other episodes that'll support what we've said today. One of them is episode 80, 10 Steps to Create a Recognition Program with Michelle Smith. You heard John and I talking about recognition as an important motivator for leaders. And in addition to the one-on-one conversations, sometimes it's important for an organization to begin thinking about what does a formal recognition program look like? And in episode 80, Michelle Smith of OC Tanner and I talked about what does that look like? What are some of the best practices? What are some of the mistakes that organizations make when they're trying to put together a more formal recognition program? It's a great starting point for that if you are at that place in your organization. Also, recommended is the work of Simon Sinek. As we mentioned, he was on episode 223 talking about starting with why. One of the key motivators that John talks about in this new book is purpose, the why behind what we're doing. It lines up exactly with the message from Simon and all the incredible work he's done for leaders over the years. Episode 223 is a great deep dive into the purpose, the why, not only for individuals, but also, of course, for the organization. And then I'd also recommend the work of Daniel Pink. He's been on the show a couple of times, most recently on episode 332, The Scientific Secrets of daily scheduling. And in that conversation, Daniel and I talked about the research he's done around how we put together our days, when are the best times to get work done, when are the times to be more creative, and when are times we should just take a break and get away from work for a bit and allow us to refresh and recover. Episode 332 goes into the details on that. I'm also, of course, thinking about Daniel because of his incredible book called 
drive. I don't think I've had a conversation about motivation in the professional space in the last 10 years or so, where at some point in the conversation, if it uh, lasted even more than a few minutes, the book Drive didn't come up. It is absolutely a key touchstone book for leaders, really anyone who wants to influence people more effectively, but especially for leaders. Uh, review so much of the science behind human motivation some of the key findings that's essential for today's workplace. Episode 332 for that in the details, but also the book Drive, I'd recommend highly as well. You can get all of those episodes at coachingforleaders.com, and there you will find a place to set up your free membership on the website. It's going to give you access not only to the entire episode library, but perhaps more importantly, the ability to search by topic. So for example, if you are wanting to find something that's a little bit more on talent development as one of the topics this conversation is going to be filed under, you can search all of the past episodes that we've had conversations on that. In addition, it'll give you access to my weekly leadership guide that comes every Wednesday. I highlight some of the experts we've had on the show before, articles I found, other podcasts, uh, resources that I think will help you in your ongoing leadership development that you get access to by setting up your free membership. Also inside the free membership is the resources section. I don't mention this often, but there's several hundred resources in there that Bonnie and I have used over the years or have been helpful to many of you. And uh, one of them is Goodreads. Bonnie and I both use that to track our reading. You can find links into our libraries inside the resources section there. It's where we uh, track everything we're doing and our own learning. Uh, all of that, just go over to coachingforleaders.com. Tons more resources there available to you. And speaking of Bonnie, she'll be back with me on next week's episode. Have a fabulous week and see you next Monday for our next conversation. Take care.